It's time for another episode of Mainly Modifieds, where ground pounders and northeast speed freaks come to get their radio fix on. Let's join the Race Chaser Media crew in the studio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's version of Mainly Modifieds. And uh, this week's episode will feature an interview that uh, Kyle Souza got with Justin Bonsignor. And uh, it was a very, very kind of uh, far-reaching interview, a lot of variety in there. And uh, Justin never uh, lacks for a good conversation. And I think you're all going to really enjoy uh, that interview that's coming up here in just a bit. Um, and of course, Kyle and I are going to update you on what's going on with the Wheel and Modified Tour and uh, the status of uh, the rest of the racing in the New England slash Northeast area. Still a lot of uh, kind of volatility from day to day here. A lot of fluidity in uh, governments making decisions, which then drives decisions uh, for, you know, the racing organizations and sanctioning bodies and such. And we've we've seen a lot of that in this past week alone. We know that NASCAR is coming back. Uh, we just we've seen a couple of short tracks around the country start to be able to run some shows albeit without fans so we're going to talk about um kind of the back and forth of well can this work without fans can we do a wheel and show without fans can you know how does this all uh uh play out with with short track racing versus the situation nascar is in and uh so i think uh, you're going to enjoy this show of course my name is tom baker from race chaser media happy to be your host uh again for another week kyle Souza going to be joining me in just a little while but uh first we want to bring you uh his interview with justin bonsignor it was uh, again an interview that he picked up over the weekend and uh really an interview that has that is an awful uh a lot of fun to to listen to i had the chance to check it out uh and this is going to be uh I think a very interesting interview for a lot of you uh, talking about uh, what he's got going and where his team is at and kind of what his thoughts are on the Will and Modified Tour and their situation. So um, without further ado, I'm going to shut up and let you uh, check out Kyle and Justin Bonsignor, and then uh, we'll take a break and come back with uh, Kyle and I uh, updating you on the rest of what's been going on and talking about the iRacing that uh, has been happening with Stafford and Seekonk as well. So here now is Kyle and Justin Bonsignor. Welcome back to another episode of Mainly Modifies. This week, our guest is Justin Bonsignor, who's been a busy guy in the modified community over the last couple of years, winning the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour Championship uh, two years ago, back in 2018, with a dominant season. Like the rest of us, he is stuck at home, uh, working still, but stuck at home, uh, not being able to go to the racetrack. Justin, I want to thank you for joining us. I want to start by kind of run us through what, what quarantine life has been like for Justin Bonsignor. Is it frustrating? Is it nice to be home? I mean, what, what's your perspective been? Yeah, so, you know, like everybody else, just been quarantined at home and doing work around the house, uh, working on Kenneth Mass's son's great mod at the shop uh, when we can, getting it ready for if we can race at Riverhead. And um, fortunately, work-wise, we've, uh, we've been able to keep our doors open. We're a contractor for a fiber optic provider here on Long Island and, and the Northeast, and uh, we've been able to keep all the guys working. And uh, it's been a little bit of a stressful time, for, uh, I'm sure, for everybody, but you know, that's, uh, it's been the same for us. So, um, we're just hoping and waiting, you know, for some good news that we can go racing soon. And, uh, until then it's just, uh, sit around the house, watch Netflix and drink beer. Yeah. So that's fair. Uh, it's been almost two months now, uh, basically two months. It's, it's crazy. I think it's been that long, but since South Boston was postponed, uh, and that kind of started a domino effect, right? With South Boston being postponed, then Thompson, then Stafford, then eventually Martinsville and Jennerstown. I mean, is it getting more frustrating as it goes along? Or at this point, are you just kind of expecting more postponements and begging for that one moment that you get a phone call that says we're going back to the track? Yeah, you know, at first, you know, you had your your what your personal thoughts were, and you didn't think it was going to be such a big deal, and you figured out oh, maybe it's one, maybe it's two, and uh, as it's been week after week, and the numbers got worse and worse, and in, in, in the news, you kind of just switch your brain off to know that, you know, we're not going racing anytime soon. And honestly, it's not that important as long as people are getting, uh, getting better and healthier. So, um, you know, like you said, we are waiting for them to just say, Hey, we got a date. We can, we can go race here. 
the government in that state is, is okay with it. Um, but honestly, I don't think we're that close yet, unfortunately. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's still a little bit ways away, and it's getting tougher, I feel, now, now that the weather's breaking. Uh, you know, it's 65, 70 degrees here every day. So you, you want to be outside. You want to be at the racetrack with your with your team and your and your competitors and, and having a good time. But uh, it's crazy to think it's only been two months, uh, you know, three months back to being at Speed Weeks and uh, just chomping at the bit, having raced since Turkey Derby and um, just excited and ready to go. But uh, got to manage expectations at this point and just hope that it can come sooner than later. So your expectations, I mean, in a sense, they're going to be a little bit different, right? I mean, NASCAR telling us they want to run all 17 races, but the the realistic look at it uh, from the the outside looking in is they may not be able to do that. I mean, it's not going to change your mindset at all. If we get down to a 10, 12 race schedule or even 14 races, is it still you want to go out there and just try to win as many races and be there for the championship? Or do you kind of have to back up a second and realize that if we have less races, that they matter a little bit more each one? Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, if and when we do start racing, our goal will be to go out and contend for the championship. That's the goal, no matter if there's five races, 20 races, or, or 100 races. So um, that's going to be the ultimate goal. I know uh, our cars have been ready to go. Ryan Stone's been uh, just tinkering with them for the last couple months now. Ken, uh, again, uh, we, we spent a ton of money uh, as a team to, to reinvest and try and get better on, on things from top to bottom. And uh, can't thank them enough. And Phoenix Communications come back on board with us, full-time commitment. So everybody's ready to go. Um, you know, we once we do get a game plan, I think, from NASCAR as far as what the schedule might look like if it does change, which, I mean, in, in a couple of weeks, I think it'll we won't have an option but to possibly shorten it. Um, or, you know, who knows? They could double up races on, on a weekend. Um, I think once we get a, a schedule and we know what, what the plan is from NASCAR, we'll have to sit down as a team and look at, you know, how to attack it and, and what's going to be the best way. Because at the end of the day, you still, you know, got to go to each race, if, win if you can, but try and get a top five if you can't win. And that's going to get you to where, you know, you need to be at the end of the year. But uh, it's a, it's a, those thoughts are a long way away, but those are the thoughts we're all thinking about wanting to talk about for sure. Yeah, and we want to get back to the racetrack uh, just as much as you. Now, the last two years, you know, you bring Stone on board. Uh, you win the championship. You finish second in the points last year. Your average finish basically the last two years, somewhere around four and a half. Your average start the last two two years, somewhere around 3.1. You're starting at the front. You're finishing in the front. Is it as simple to say some new cars and Ryan Stone just kind of revitalized it? Or is there more behind the, behind the scenes that people are not seeing that allowed you to really break out uh, even more than you had before? I think it's a good combination of both, but, you know, most of that credit, you know, 90% of that credit goes to Ryan Stone. Um, you know, huge compliment to Ken and, and for everything he does for our team, but Ryan Stone uh, coming on board and then just having the great team we have behind Ryan from top to bottom, as far from the pit crew to the to just the road crew. They do a great job, and Ryan leads them in a great manner, but the cars come to the track so prepared. We are just making little minuscule adjustments during practice. We're not chasing it. Uh, up and down every time and we just unload with speed and that makes the day a lot easier the cars are they're right where we need when we come off the truck we can make a mock run know what the car is going to do in qualifying get a real good top three or four sometimes on the pole position um and then it just makes your day so much easier we've we've tried to do it in the past where you qualify 15th and have to race your guts out to get to the lead it's a lot easier to do it the way uh we've been able to do it the last two years and you know we have those same ambitions this year if, if and when we get started but uh you know, the cars are great race cars. Fury builds an unbelievable chassis. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, it's the guy working. Yeah, that's why, uh, you know, that's why Ryan Stone, Phil Moran, and those guys are the, the best on the series. And that's why we run up front. I mean, Phil Moran, that's a good point. We'll get to him in a second. Uh, I want to get your thoughts. We had Doug Kobe on in our first episode, which seems like forever ago now when he announced his new formation. We'll get there in a second. Uh, but the last couple of years, I mean, you won a lot of races at Thompson previously. You won a lot of races at Riverhead previously. As a guy that grew up at Riverhead and watched Thompson and went to Thompson as a kid and now has had success at those two facilities that have been on this schedule for so long, it's got to be sweet to know every time you go to those two tracks specifically, you know, I mean, you're going to have a top three car basically as soon as you unload, I know you feel that way at most tracks, but those two specifically, it seems like you guys have just hit the right package lately. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, when we go to every racetrack, I do feel that we're a top three car with a, if given the right circumstances, we can go out and win. Um, if things go our way, pit stops play out our way. But when we go to Riverhead, uh, you know, I know in myself that I, I have everything, uh, every 
to the knowledge I need in the first lap of practice to go down into turn one and say, all right, the car is going to do do this. It should do that. And you know what? If it does that, I know I have a good shot to win tonight. And I know how to pace myself in those long-distance races, um, and that plays off as well. You know, we've had times where in the first lap of practice at Riverhead, I can tell you, yep, this is we got a shot tonight. I can come over the radio and say we, we can win tonight. Um, and the same thing at Thompson. You know, we've we've unloaded there with unbelievable speed. Uh, you know, obviously seven out of eight, and, and that streak was was unbelievable. And um, it's just the same thing. You unload, you go into turn one, and you know what the car needs, and you know what the car wants, and um, you know the, the little adjustment that you're looking for and the comfort you're gonna you need to feel at two o'clock in the afternoon that translates to eight o'clock at night, and um, it's just it just comes with confidence, and uh, we got a lot of confidence at every track, but especially those two. So bittersweet, I guess, is the right way to describe the eight-point deficit uh, that took you away from back-to-back championships. But last year, overall, six wins, 13 top tens and 16 races. I mean, a strong year. You lost that streak in the middle of the summer, uh, summer to Doug. He comes back at the fall, uh, gee, I was going to say the fall final, the World Series, and wins the championship by just eight points, but you still win that race. That seems to me like, in your career, that would be almost one of the most exciting but also disappointing moments kind of wrapped all in one. Is that fair? Yeah, that's actually you know it was actually a little easier last year. Uh, it happened to us in 2016 as well. We we were chasing Doug throughout the whole season. Had that wreck down in Bristol, uh, then had that just unbelievable stretch towards the end of the year and got within I don't know eight or ten points again. And that one struck you know really stung because we lost. You know I had not won a championship at that point. And that one like was bittersweet for sure. So this past year, you know it was you know we we were so far out of it the whole year. Um, you know, I put us in a bind and start the season. We had the terrible race at Wall. We had a bad pitch strategy at, at Myrtle Beach, and we just played catch up all year. And we knew we were so fast every week. And but you know, there's a reason that Doug and his team has six championships, and it's because they know how to put the whole season together. And unfortunately, we didn't. Uh, you know, one one DNF, one bad finish from you know took us out of the whole deal. Um, but you know, he he could say the same thing where he could have racked up another 20, 30 points. So um, yeah, it is tough. Uh, especially as such rivals that Doug and I are, we have a good relationship, but there's nobody I want to beat more than him. And when we're celebrating and then it's like, all right, get your car out of the way. He needs to come in and celebrate. It's definitely, uh, it's definitely a kick in the kick in the nuts for sure. But, um, it just makes us put our heads down and, and work harder. And, uh, you know, but I could guarantee the same conversations are going on in their shop knowing, you know, wow, we lost full, almost 50 points in, in a few weeks here. We got to, what do we got to do to get back to kicking their butt? Right. So, I mean, that, that was the next phase I wanted to go here. Uh, Doug Kobe kind of loses his ride with Sprinkley. You, you, you know, you kind of knew, uh, what was going on there. I'm sure with the relationship with Doug, got a little bit of inside information there. Talk to him. I'm sure you guys joke around a lot. You're, you're pretty good friends off the track. Uh, on the track, you guys have been bitter enemies, uh, at times, but what was that like for you? To first of all, see him without a ride, uh, and that's kind of, you know, in, in many estimations, one of your top competitors for the championship. And then all of a sudden, he kind of puts together his own team. Uh, he brings Phil back. I mean, that still is going to be a top competitor, but it, I, I guess, what, what does it kind of show you about the state of the modified tour and, and him losing that ride and then being able to basically start his own team off the ground and kind of hope that he's hoping that it's going to work? Yeah, it was uh, definitely, you know, they, they were able to keep the the spotlight on them all season they win the championship and then he loses his ride and he still gets all the media all see all winter long uh it was a definitely a crazy story to follow um as a competitor and a fan of the series I'm, I'm really happy that they were able to put something together um i honestly was kind of caught off guard by it uh, obviously i heard about the news well before it made its way into the the media but um you know we were catching wind about it and it's like wow and it, it's kind of funny is you know smigs and i had a conversation after the world series and he made a comment in the conversation of like you know that hinted without me even knowing that this was coming and then a couple of weeks later they they make that announcement and um you know then it's all see, all winter long oh well, he's got this deal lined up and you know you hear all the gossip and all the plans and this guy's involved he's gonna own the car and they're gonna do this and they're gonna do that and then it's seems everything's falling apart and then in the 11th hour um you know doug i think had the the thought that he was going to buy that car and keep it for his own personal uh like trophy um and decided to just go racing with it and um you know they were going to be in a, a bit of a pickle i'm sure going out of south boston you know he he tells us how ready and everything they were but i'm sure they were 
they were thrashing to get everything finished up and um, I'm sure they're in a lot better shape now with this time off than uh, than than they would have been if we were racing which is kind of you know I, I hate to say that it's a it's a bad thing for the for us as competitors because we would have had possibly a you know if anything a leg up on them um, but now they're gonna be uh, they're gonna be well ready to go if and when we do start and um, you know but as a as a fan it's definitely gonna be better that uh, that they are in that shape and they'll be more competitive and um, definitely be one of the guys to beat for sure uh, you know it's not the guy to beat. So there's going to be many guys to beat. Uh, I think when you look at the roster for 2020, uh, maybe 2021 at this rate, if it ever gets going. Uh, but guys like Ron Silk, who I know swapped over to a Fury, uh, and Ryan Stone's been, been working with him on and off in different series and, and good friends with them. You got Craig Lutz, you got Eric Goodale, uh, you got guys like Patrick Emerling that come in, pick cat with Eddie Harvey this year. I mean, the competition level seems to me going into 2020 that it might be one of the best it's been in the last couple of years to the point where there's really a handful of guys that can win and maybe at least a handful of guys that can put a season together like you, Doug, uh, or Ron have in the past to be able to contend for that championship. Just the competition level seems to me like it's taken a little bit of a step up again. Yeah, for sure. I think it's been up you know, each year, I think it gets more and more. Obviously, you know, we've been fortunate enough to win a good chunk of races over those these last couple of years, but I still think the com- competition-wise, it's it's as high as it's been in a long time. Uh, you also got a lot of new, new kids and, and younger guys coming in that are starting to get well-established, like you said, Lutz and, and Maddie Swanson. So, um, you know, you have Chase Dowling in the 82 this year. Um, there's a lot of really good cars if on any given day, if they can get the package right, you know, they could definitely – uh, run up front and contend for wins but you know so much of it comes down to having a good pit crew and, and good pit calls and um, that's where I feel our our strengths are as a team and hopefully that'll be what puts us above those guys when it gets down to uh, crunch time and decision making time so decision making time this year going to be a little bit different with a couple of things I mean they made some rule changes over the off season. Uh the, the biggest one that kind of sticks out to me from a fan perspective the difference between the group qualifying and the single car I mean is that a big difference from a driver's perspective does it matter if you wait in a five minute group and go out at the end or you just wind up single file and go out and run a qualifying lap and then pull right back in no i definitely think it makes a difference um you know with the group qualifying it kind of wasn't even it wasn't group qualifying it was just an extended practice five minute practice session and you know you had five minutes to go out and run as many laps as you wanted and try and hit it right and uh i think that you know definitely played into effect you know there's i think it's gonna be tougher when you have just two laps uh to get it right and uh you know if you mess up coming off a of turn four coming to the white you know you're gonna mess up both your laps so it definitely put the pressure back on the driver a little more when you only have one or two good shots at it instead of having five minutes so um i think it's um i think it's a better way to go i think it's a little more exciting the fans seem to be a little confused by the old format um and i think this will be better because it's going to go in uh you know reverse practice speed order so i think as the session goes obviously the car should get faster you should see people get bumped each time the cars go out so i think it'll add a little bit back to that and um i'm excited for that for for one reason like that i don't think the fans are the only ones confused uh by group qualifying at this rate (laughs) last thing for you now we talked about the expectations at the beginning you want to go out you want to win the championship that's kind of the goal every year but this year is going to be i guess a little bit more special we're going to be at least a couple months delayed this is the first time in tour history that it doesn't start in april or may uh dating back to the beginning of the modern era i mean you're going to have team members uh that are possibly going to be with you that knew somebody that was affected by covid everybody's really been affected by it in one way or another but is there anything in your mind that's going to make 2020 any different competition wise once you get to the track is it still just go out there and try to win and kind of put everything off is that the only way you can really look at going out there on the track yeah, you gotta, you know, it's like a like having a bad wreck. You just gotta get back on the horse and and block it all out, and that's the only way you're gonna be successful. So um, it is gonna be tough. Obviously, everybody's been affected by this one way or the other, some more than others. But um, you know, at the end of the day, we're you know we're a racing family, racing community. So when things get started, people will be there to support each other. You know, obviously, we've seen some i races go on for memorials for some people and. Um, I think uh, when we get back to business, everybody's going to be so happy to see each other and, and have a good time. It could be could be like a good blessing for the tour community to kind of get back to how it used to be back in the, the old days. But when everybody straps their helmets on, we're all going to want to race each other's guts out. And I think uh, I think guys are going to be pent up, ready to go and put on some good racing for the fans. And hopefully the fans can come to the races, and um, you know, because obviously that's the only way this works is with them. So uh, it's going to be uh, – 
it's going to be crazy if and when we get started and, and we're ready to go. That's for sure. We've been talking about this whole iRacing thing, and you mentioned it. Before I let you go, I have to ask, uh, what, what has that been like? I mean, you iRaced before coronavirus. Uh, you might be doing a little bit more now, but is it is it anywhere close to what it is on the real track? And is it kind of helping you pass the time a little bit in a difficult time like this? Yeah, you know, I actually got back into it uh, pretty heavy last summer, the end of last summer, and um, got involved in a league. And I uh, run two nights a week now in a league, especially since what's everything's been going on. And um, I'm getting a lot better. The league I run in, the guys are extremely tough. Um, I get pushed around a lot. I'll tell you that. I'm, I'm kind of the, the opposite of real life. I actually said that the other night. I said, I'm going to have to start roughing you guys up because if real racing season's coming, I don't want to be going soft on, on those guys. But, uh, you know, it's tough. I don't really – I'm not a big fan of the modifieds on that game. They look great. Obviously, they're based off of our race car. They yeah. scanned it. But um, I don't think they drive all that well. There's not a lot to learn, I'd say, from that side of things. Um, there's no translation, really, for the setups. There's not much for us to use – as far as like a manufacturer simulation, uh, kind of like the cup guys do. But I feel as uh, from a hand-eye coordination, keeping keeping all your reflexes up, keeping your 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 brain fresh and and just competitive and, and all those racing natural habits. I think it's uh, it's a good thing to do a couple times a week. I try not to stay on there too much. My girlfriend doesn't get mad. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's um, it's a good tool to, to stay fresh on. And hopefully when it gets time to go racing, that'll, that'll pay for a little bit of an advantage. I think I can sit with you on the girlfriend situation. Uh, with that, Justin, we want to thank you for uh, taking some time to talk to us. Always a pleasure to talk, as always. Looking forward to returning to the track and seeing uh, everybody hopefully soon. Uh, and we wish you safe, healthy, stay safe. Uh, we'll see you at the track again soon. Thanks, Kyle. I'll talk to you soon. All right. That's been Justin Bonsio. When we return from break, we're going to give you an update. Uh, a lot of the races that have been canceled and or postponed in the New England region uh, and keep you up to date on some of the latest racing that's been going on at Stafford and an upcoming race at Seekonk this week. We'll be back. Uh, Many modifieds. Everyone knows Strutmasters is the suspension experts for luxury vehicles. And now we offer motorcycle products. Introducing Easy Rider, complete motorcycle air suspension brought to you by Strutmasters.com. You can raise and lower your bike with the flip of a switch. Take those long rides with the ultimate comfort of Easy Rider air shocks. They're backed by Strutmasters, and you won't believe the low price. Check out Easy Rider, motorcycle air suspension at Strutmasters.com. Is your job sucking the life out of you? Wake up. You can do something else. Information technology. I know what you're thinking, but I'm not a math or science person. No excuses, no problem. It's not rocket science. It's my computer career. Helping people start an IT career is their thing. If you don't absolutely love what you do, go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You can start your new life as an information technology professional in as little as four months. Attend classes on campus or live online just two or three times a week to get what you'll need to start your new career. More than just a school, My Computer Career helps you get into the industry by working with hundreds of employers that hire their students. My Computer Career is nationally accredited and financial aid is available for those who qualify, including the GI Bill. Classes start soon, so go take the career evaluation now at mycomputercareer.edu. Mycomputercareer.edu. That's mycomputercareer.edu. Welcome back to Mainly Modifieds as we continue with our program for the week and really uh, interested to hear from Justin Bonsignor and, uh, you know, happy to hear that he's still gainfully employed. Um, so many people uh, not in that position at this point in time. And it just uh, honestly, it just makes me sad to see uh, everybody out of work and so many people struggling and all of that. Uh, but you know, very happy, happy to hear that uh, he's good to go. And then it sounds like the race team's good to go. Um, and again, you know, you, you think about Kyle wanting to run all 17 races, but gosh, the more time passes here. I mean, I, I just got a hold of uh, what is the tentative schedule from the NHRA yesterday and was looking that over they don't want to start until they can put fans in the seats because they believe that fans are integral to their particular series and it's not that i disagree with that theory but this the schedule that they have 
has them starting the first weekend in August and not stopping until uh, mid-November when the series is over. They're not taking any weeks off. Uh, It's just week after week. And uh, a couple of the teams that I've spoken with have said that they're they're not going to be able to do that full schedule. Um, it's just not possible for them to keep going and going and going and going like that. Normally, the NHRA has a week or two off. You and I have discussed on this show about what the wheel and tour schedule could end up looking like um, and how more and more once you start, you don't stop. And certainly as we compress the amount of weekends that we have of you might say usable racing opportunity because of course you're you're not going to be running shows you know at least you wouldn't think you'd be running shows much into october and november or wanting to up north there because of the weather uh factor um it just becomes more and more hard to imagine how you get 17 races in particularly given that some of those shows are a fair distance away uh, and maybe in states that may take longer to actually uh, kind of open up and recover and, and all of that. I mean, what is your, we, we know what you and Justin talked about. What's your general feeling at this point uh, about the, the wheel and tour given that we now know that even the Jennerstown show is postponed uh, and Seekonk is shaky at best on June the 6th. What, I mean, what are you hearing? Yeah. Uh, and you heard Justin Bonsinger say it uh, in the course of that interview that they're just kind of waiting for that get go. Um, and even Justin said at one point, you know, the, the closer we get to June, uh, that means that we're probably not running all 17 races. The, the, the further along this goes, yeah. the better chance that we don't run uh, all 17. I think it opens the door for a couple things. Number one, could open the door for these teams to run back-to-back races on the same weekend. Uh, I've heard that that's a possibility at two mm. different facilities within okay. a couple hours. Wow. Um, that's a possibility. It's also a possibility that they run two races in one week instead of just one in a week. Uh, that's on the table as well. Uh, talking with some people inside, you know, just some sources that I have, they're, they're still trying to try to run all 17, uh, even as of yesterday. Uh, but at this point, you know, we've been saying it every week, the longer this goes, the less of a chance that yeah. that happens. Uh, and Justin's one of those guys that that's pretty blunt about, it. I think most of these drivers have come to the realization that whatever race season we do get, we've got to take, we've got to like it. Uh, and you heard him say in that interview, and you, you and I both know it's going to be difficult if the race, there's only 10 or so races. It's going to make it even more certain that you have to not have a bad race in order to contend for this title. Oh, well, that's true. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, when you're dealing with and this, you know, we we, we talked a little bit last night on uh, our League Lap show. Um, we, we talked to a couple of different short track race promoters from across the country, one from Washington State and one from California. And uh, we've actually got. Uh, another one lined up one of the New York uh, dirt track promoters that we're going to be talking to on inside groove tomorrow. Uh, and I'm working on trying to get to one of the promoters from new England as well. Um, just again, to talk to them about what actually is, what are the obstacles? What, uh, what is it going to take to make racing happen in their particular areas? And it's, you know, it's an interesting situation. The thing that a lot of these guys are dealing with, and it would be similar for the modified tour, is you're dealing with a, a demographic or a group of people who are not full-time racers. I mean, they, they, they're they not able to just, oh, hey, we're going to, you know, go travel over here, and then we're going to go travel over there. You know, even though a lot of the folks are out of work right now, uh that may not be the case in a month or two months. And of course they'd rather be, be working and making money. Um, and of course being out of work is a whole other uh, topic because then you don't have money to race on or go watch races with. But um, the, I think the the hard part for me envisioning the wheel and tour situation is that you do have so many working folks who, you know, want to leave on a Friday and go to a racetrack. And um, you, you start looking at Iowa you look at even Martinsville, um, you know, these these tracks where 
you've got to spend an extra day of travel or whatever. Um, and it starts to become more and more of a mystery to me. And I'm sure to you as well. Um, how are we going to make all this work? And are we going to have to do what cup is doing and maybe say, well, you know, this track isn't going to happen this year. So we're going to run an extra race over here at this one. That's pretty easily, um, you know, can be easy to work out and get to and, and do, um, and so, so does the schedule of, of, of race events change to where instead of maybe looking at the schedule as is and saying, we're going to do all 17 of these races that we have in front of us on the schedule, do we pull for, just for example, and I'm not saying this would happen, but do we pull Iowa and just put another race at Thompson or another race over here, you know, in, in its place, similar to what the Cup Series is doing, so we can still get 17 races in, even if they're not the 17 races that were originally scheduled? Yeah, and here's the so here's the way I look at this, and, and just some scribbling on notebook paper uh, that I do constantly. Number one, there's really three things that are part of this. NASCAR wheel modified tour schedule before it comes together. Number one, the capability of the states. Are the states allowing gatherings to race? Are racetracks open? Uh, and what are the restrictions around social right. distancing, face coverings? What What is realistic and what's not realistic for a racetrack to open? That That's number one. Number two is the driver availability and the crew availability, more so the crew availability than the driver. Are some of these teams going to have the capability in their crew to travel to different racetracks, right. number one. Number two, do it on a frequent basis. Uh, if we're going to run all 17 races, it's going to be a pretty bang-bang schedule. Yeah. So that's number two. And number three, and really, you know, th- this is the, the part that I don't think people are realizing, uh, and, and I know uh, as I help to promote two racetracks up here, the number three thing is, are the tracks going to feasibly be able to pay to bring the NASCAR wheel and right. modified tour yep. in in 2020? And that to me, is just as important as the state guidelines. Even if the track opens, that does not by any sense of the imagination mean that a racetrack is going to be willing to pay somewhere around $70,000 to bring the NASCAR wheel and modified tour in. It's not going to be easy. And I, I realistically do not think that some of these tracks are going to take that chance, especially if there's no fans in the stands. To me, if there's no fans, there's no modified tour. These tracks are not going to waste $70,000 just to get people to watch a pay-per-view that they're no way going to make back seventy grand on. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, I think there's still some time for things to settle out. Some tracks might get going with fans off the top. Maybe Jennerstown in Pennsylvania is one of them. They're in a low-impact area so far. Maybe when Massachusetts opens, Seekonk's one of them. We're lucky down here to be in one of the Massachusetts areas that's not too, too bad at this point. But in all intensive purposes, I think everything's on the table. Uh, and in my opinion, the number one concern for NASCAR right now has got to be whether or not these tracks are going to even bother taking the modified tour in, in 2020. Without the tracks, the modified tour is nothing, obviously. Right. Uh, and there's, yep. there's, not many, there's not many other tracks for them to go to other than what they're going right now in this region. So that that's, to me, the part that people don't understand. And, and you know as well, uh, as a former guy that was involved in promoting, oh, the yeah. money's the key for these racetracks. Well, it, well, it is, absolutely. It's the bottom line. And that's really what, you know, You're. It, it's one thing to take a chance maybe opening and having a quote-unquote weekly show without fans if you think that maybe you can get i I, uh, we talked with skagit speedways owner um and promoter out of washington state last night steve beitler on lead lap and he um he has a pay-per-view situation that he can put in place if he needs to and he feels like he's run a set of numbers that um you know if everything comes together you know he can open his track for a little bit without fans if he needs to, if it comes to that. Um, and, but again, when you add the sanction fee that, that goes with and all of the expense of bringing in a wheel and modified tour type series, that's a whole other situation. So as you said, Kyle, and I think that's a great point, you know, some of these tracks may be willing to open and if they can do a pay-per-view or whatever and find a formula to sort of 
get by or not lose too much money uh, for a little bit. Maybe they would, but bringing in a show the caliber of a wheel and modified tour show with all the extra expense, you almost have to have the fans because there's no way you make that up uh, on a pay-per-view and, and certainly you don't have the concession either naturally. And so it's a, it's a really, really interesting situation. Rather NASCAR would um, do something with a sanction fee or whatever. I, I mean, um, it, it just feels at this point, like, uh, you're climbing Mount Kilimanjaro to, you know, to try and, and figure out a way to do this with, with the tour. And gosh, it's such a letdown because we went into this season before the whole virus thing happened. We went into this season with so much anticipation, so much new blood, and you got Kobe doing his own deal now. How's that going to work out? So many storylines. Those haven't gone away, but of course, we have to have racing in order to uh, see how that plays out. And, and this just feels like uh, uh, you know a, a real uphill climb to try and figure out a way to feasibly do this in a way that, that kind of works for everybody at this point. Well, Tom, here here's the other aspect that, that people don't know, uh, and maybe people do know uh, at this point. The other real tough part of the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour that's basically, in my opinion, unless something drastically changes with a contract uh, or NASCAR makes an adjustment, pay-per-view is not an option for a racetrack uh, in 2020 because of track pass with NBC Gold. Oh, that's a yeah, um, great point. They, they, yeah. They have the right to the NASCAR Wheel Modified Tour races, and you can watch all 17 races for 20 bucks total. You get 17 races for 20 bucks, and there is no way. And you know, some track promoters not too thrilled with the fact that they're not getting any of the kickback on that track pass promotion. Number one, number two, that means they can't do a pay per view because they don't have the TV rights. That's right. It would be competition. Yeah. So didn't even think about that. You know, is there a time? that NASCAR would change that contract you know, and amend it because of COVID? Possibly. Do I see that happening? Absolutely not. I don't think there's any chance that NASCAR is going to just eliminate the track class platform that they've built up so well. Yeah. And in order, in order to make it work from a pay-per-view perspective, it's not going to be 20 bucks for 17 races. It would be more like 20 bucks for one race. Right. Uh, and, and that, you know, that's another barrier. So to recap, the first barrier is the governors. The second barrier is the race teams, can they get to the track? Can they feasibly make it work? The third barrier is, are the racetracks willing to put up the sanction fee to even run a race? Yeah. And the fourth barrier is, how are they going to get it on TV slash streaming um, without really a TV contract that's going to get them to benefit financially at all? To me, as a guy that promotes tracks, unless I see something different, I wouldn't even be taking the chance. $70,000 is a lot of money especially in a COVID shutdown where a lot of these racetracks are struggling to begin with. It's a big risk for a racetrack. Uh, And NASCAR is going to have a lot of explaining to do once they put a schedule out on why they did what they did in a certain region or a certain track. And then it's going to come on the track to see how it goes. I think the first modified tour race you see in 2020 is going to be a big sign to what's to come. And who knows? I keep saying this. This changes daily, hourly, really. Uh, yeah, you know, next week on our episode, we could have a full schedule, and they might have some type of breakthrough in the coronavirus fight. I mean, you know, there, anything could happen. But to me, it's going to be a fight to get modified tour races on the schedule. It's going to be a fight to make things work. Uh, and I think a lot of divers share the same sentiment that Justin did uh, in our interview. They just want to go to the racetrack, and I think we feel the same way at this point. Well, that's yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I can I can certainly uh, attest to that. And I think, you know, again, you 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 spoke about a lot in that that short uh, short bit there. And I think the big thing is when I look at it from a track promotion standpoint, it's a catch twenty two because as a track owner, I don't want to not race in twenty twenty because I have every track owner has some degree of expense to keep up the property and utilities and you know if they've got you know people that work for them or whatever there's some degree of expense and you the only source of revenue is running races now you also understand that specials like a modified tour race are your biggest draw if you can 
draw fans to your track if in other words if if you you're allowed to have fans in this situation um and you don't want to lose that potential revenue but at the same time you're looking at it and you're saying well how do i make ends meet out of all of this and what happens if the tour simply doesn't run in 2020 and and then from nascar's point of view how can you expect a track to i mean first of all seventy thousand dollars is a really big sanction fee uh, you know we can we can probably have a whole other discussion on how tracks even make money off of that to begin with uh you know, and 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 I don't know how they do it. I mean, that's a big number to overcome with, you know, with a grandstand crowd and concession. Even um, that's a that's a big number. But you know, you've you've got a situation where right now this I think a lot of this is going to come down to how much is NASCAR willing to help the tracks to put their tour shows on, and if there's no willingness to reduce or again i i you know i i'm not going to say they ought to just eliminate the fee because i can see it nascar's got expenses too um you know but something's got to be everybody has to come together to help each other in this and if there's not teamwork and everybody is not willing to do what they can do if there's not a formula we could certainly be looking at a season with no tour races um, and you know, I, I don't know then from the team standpoint, you got all this equipment and you just, I guess you're waiting for 21 uh, and you know, it's just not a, there, there, there feels like no perfect answer to this other than, okay, everything's normal. Put people, let's go. And I don't see that coming anytime soon everywhere. I think States like New York are going to be among the last for example, to so I look at, you know, as, as much as I want to see the Oswego Speedway race, and I I think there's a way they could hold some events um, because they do have the pay-per-view capability. But again, I could see the modified tour race at Oswego um, Classic Weekend being in jeopardy because Cuomo is already talking about canceling the New York State Fair, which is number one, that's his baby. And number two, it's the largest you know, sports and entertainment event revenue generator in upstate New York. I mean, it's so if you're willing to go that deep into, we're already going to pull the plug on the state fair, unless the entire state can be fully open, which is what he's saying. I don't see the modified race at Oswego happening because again, I don't see Oswego wanting to pay the fee and, you know, not be able to make any money off of that particular event because they would lose their their behind and so with any track at this point without being able to to have fans so uh i i don't know i i think you maybe again that's why i asked earlier could we look at a schedule that only includes two or three racetracks but you're running you know five or six races in each of those tracks because those are the tracks you can feasibly get fans in and do it you know in a way that makes sense um you know it's just a it, it's it's just a nightmarish scenario for everybody involved it's going to be uh very interesting i'll yeah. put it that way uh to see how these racetracks react how nascar reacts uh and jimmy wilson saying last week he hopes to go racing in june somewhere he doesn't know where yeah. he doesn't know when uh but he hopes to go back racing in june let's recap before we move on from the modified tour, sure. what's going yep. on so far? Number one, South Boston, March 21st, was postponed. Thompson's Icebreaker, April 4-5, postponed. The Sizzler at Stafford, April 25-26, postponed. May 8th at Martinsville, postponed. May 15-16, which was supposed to be the rescheduled Icebreaker, postponed. May 23rd at Jennerstown, postponed. May 30th at Stafford, which was supposed to be the rescheduled Spring Sizzler, postponed so six events over what was really three events with some reschedulements were originally canceled uh originally postponed now they've been postponed again so we'll see how things go uh over the next couple of weeks we'll be sure to keep in mind everything that's going on uh with the nascar wheel and modified tour good to catch up to tom and justin bonsi you're to hear 
what he's got going on. And as For we sure. mentioned, as of this recording, which could change in the near future, Seacon, uh, June 6th, the NASCAR Wheel Modified Tour season opener. But obviously that uh, pretty unlikely uh, as part of this fluid situation. I do think it's probably valid, Tom, that we switch gears to another modified tour in New England that's also had some schedule postponements sure. uh, since our last episode, that being the Tri-Track Open Modified Series. They were originally scheduled to race May 2nd uh, at the Monadnock Speedway, which was this past weekend. That was postponed to May 9th. Unfortunately, the May 9th date was also postponed to a later date, and the Claremont Motorsports Park race that was scheduled for May 24th has also been postponed. So the first two races of the Tri-Track slate also postponed. No rescheduled dates right now. They're just going to wait it out. And I think as many of the racetracks up here that I have seen, including Seekonk, Thompson, Stafford, White Mountain Motorsports Park, Star, Speedway 51, all basically saying, including Tri-Track, we're on a hold. We're on pause. We're going to wait and see what the guidance is uh, from the states once they start to reopen. New Hampshire, of course, reopening this week in a little bit of a phased approach, which is very phased, uh, still basically not letting much happen. Uh, sources in New Hampshire telling me that the New Hampshire tracks are hoping to go back racing sometime in June if the phased uh, restrictions kind of work in their favor. Uh, but this schedule stuff, man, I'm, and I'm sure it's the same down there, Tom. It's just so unclear at this time what's going to happen. It is. Uh, there were a couple of dirt track races in South Carolina over this past weekend that uh, opened up without fans. Uh, and again, I think you know, that's kind of one scenario, but then the other scenario when you have, you know, a sanction fee or whatever where you you're, you have extra money to pay out, those big shows are going to be hard. Now, you know, I will say before we kind of leave this general topic of, of how to tracks pull stuff like this off, we had Kenny Shepard on Lead Lap last night uh, from Madeira Speedway in California, and Kenny has always been one of the most innovative and really, in in my mind, genius um, race promoters when it comes to thinking outside the box of any promoter in the country. Kenny has been able to, now he's in a part of California, he's kind of in central California, and he's in a part of California that's more rural. It, there's not really, the, the virus in that area, the, the, the situation's not that bad. Um, he was able to, get the counties that that sort of surround his track um, to agree to go against the governor and allow him to begin a five-phase reopening process that ends with him being able to, you know, be full tilt with with fans of the grandstands. Now, let me just bring up, and and again, if somebody wants to listen to it, uh, Lead Lab will be up. Uh, here this afternoon on our Race Chaser Media podcast platform, so you can just go find it. He's he's our last guest, so just go into the second hour um, if you want to hear him. And but, but one of the things he did, and again, there's a process by which you can't just sort of snap a finger and do this, but he actually was able, for purposes of being able to reopen, he was able to reclassify his his racetrack from being a sports and entertainment venue to a recreational facility, <laughs> basically the equivalent of a golf course. <laughs> and so what that did is, you know, when, when the municipality does a phased reopening and reopen and, and, and lets the golf courses open, well, now the racetrack can open. Now, again, there's a, there's a set of, of, re, you know, requirements and phases, but doing that, mean, here's what this basically means. Now, again, assuming the statistics in that area don't start going the wrong way, it, the, the governor can't really stop what's going on there unless he's willing to shut the golf courses down, which the, the, the people um, are starting now to, again, as they are in many parts of the country, they're starting, you know, let's go back, let's get out, let's go back to work, let's, you know, this is crazy. Um, and they're putting all this pressure with these protests and such, whatever. And so he's been able to, to, to find a way to make this work. And even to the extent of, of you know, the, the waivers that you sign and, and all of that, um, to put a package together that, that you know, and, and it really, honestly, when he laid the whole thing out, uh, was pretty ingenious. And of course, 
you know, you've got to be sort of politically favored or know how to work within that system and have people to champion you and all of that. Uh, but it really was, it's, it's quite a plan he's got. So, um, you know, again, maybe as this word gets out and he's starting to share with other tracks, for example, in California, how to, you know, how to do this, um, as, as word gets out, maybe other tracks will end up being able to, to follow through. Um, but again, you still have this big, you know, giant elephant of a sanctioning fee, uh, to bring in specials, uh, you know, like that, like the tour. So it'll be interesting, but, but I, I feel like having heard what he was able to do, um, I, I, I feel like maybe there's a way for other tracks to be able to, uh, to, to do something similar in certain areas. Um, you know, but uh, the key is you got to get your local health departments and everything. You got to convince them that you've got a nice plan and you're doing everything it takes. And his reopen will start with just testing, um, you know, one or two cars at a time or whatever. And, and then you sort of build gradually to racing and then racing with fans. Um, but uh, and again, he's in a different position than most probably too because he does have the mav tv show um which he's created a whole different business model to where he literally could go racing without fans and be okay because of the show and the sponsorship that that show has brought um he's really been outside the box in terms of marketing and figuring out a way to you know to really make all of that work and i think a lot of um a lot of short track owners could learn from what uh what he's done out there so it'll be interesting to see where all this goes but the northeast obviously there there are some folks in leadership positions up there that um you know i think have their own agendas and uh it's going to be tough to move the needle tougher in in some of those places than maybe other places around the country so we'll see how all of that goes uh and of course we'll have more for you next week uh and and the latest updates that we can give you in the meantime i know there were a couple of i races stafford and seekonk and um i i i think uh i'm gathering that uh uh someone popped your bubble there Suze, and you you didn't win the other day well let's give you the recap uh but <laughs> so, uh, let's back up a second if you didn't listen to the last episode of manly modifies i suggest doing that but let's back up to last friday night uh, Stafford running their late models uh, on iRacing. The first time they've run late models, they had been running street stocks and modifieds before, uh, switching it up to some late models last Friday night. Uh, I'll give you my personal recap before I give you the race recap. Um, so I qualified 14th out of about 60 cars. I started fifth in my heat race, drove up to the front, and finished second in the heat. Uh, started eighth in the feature, drove to the front, and finished second in the feature. Ooh, so, another podium. Uh, close, close, no cigar this week. Um, but in light of the situation, through all phases renovation, the sponsor of Stafford's Eye Racing, I did still collect 50 bucks for finishing second <laughs> Friday night. Well, there you so go. <laughs> I will take it. Uh, I'm now up to... 200 bucks total in two weeks via Stafford's iRacing. Um, in all intensive purposes, though, the late model, a little bit difficult uh, to drive. For a lot of the guys in the field, it was a good mix. We had Brian Narducci, Mike Christopher Jr., nice. uh, Teddy, Teddy Hodgson, uh, myself, Andrew Moeller. Uh, and, and it was a Seacon guy, actually, that went in and stole the show with me. Uh, crazy that two Seacon guys run one, too. Uh, but it was Reagan Parent picking up the win. Uh, in their 60-lap late model feature on Friday night. So no real crazy uh, experience there with the late model. It was a good time. Another one of those things where uh, we spent the week uh, enjoying a little bit of time on the sim, uh, had some fun with that, and came home second. So I'm happy about that. Uh, This Friday night, Tom, they're making their switch to the Tour Modified on iRacing. So they've gone from the SK to the the street stocks to the late models, and now they're going to the Tour Modified event. Uh, coming up this Friday night, same kind of format. They qualify first, uh, then they run some heat races, a consolation 
type B main, uh, and then they run a feature. Uh, 60 laps. The modified portion this week is 80 laps. So looking forward to running the modified, looking forward to hopefully going back to victory lane. Uh, but in all <laughs> intents and purposes, for the sake of the crew, the car's in one piece, and we came home with second, so I can't be too disappointed about that. Well, I mean, you know, do you think you're ready for this step up to the tour there, dude? Are you, are you working out? Are you watching film? Are you are you getting yourself uh, in the in the game shape here to go out and run with those guys? Because uh, those, those cars are a little uh, faster and a little different to drive, you know, than the street stops well, and late models, right? Let, let's say that the ice cream shop is closed, so I'm walking out. I haven't put on any, haven't put on any weight uh, over the last couple of months. I've actually lost a few pounds due to quarantine. So uh, I, because actually. all the stuff that I like to eat is not available. Um, so I guess, in a sense, we're making some sort of gain on uh, the physical <laughs> condition. The mental condition is pretty simple. Uh, just go and put the pedal to the floor and hope you don't crash. Uh, and then number three... Really, you're just in the sake and the and the love of the other drivers that are on the track, man. They're either going to get into you and spin you out or not. Uh, and I've hit through some pretty dang tight holes last week, uh, and I was <laughs> don't way, try that. I the was, modified, dude. Yeah, I mean, I was wheel way, cars. <laughs> I was way, 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 way too aggressive, um, but it worked because uh, I got to the front. So I'm not complaining. Uh, happy to see that it worked, uh, and looking forward to. Running next week with the modified, I think the modified could be really, really good. I think there's an opportunity for uh, the modified to put on a really good show uh, at a track where modifieds run in real life. So, looking forward to seeing uh, how that kind of goes, uh, and also looking forward to seeing how Stafford's I Racing evolves with their races uh, on hold temporarily uh, due to the COVID 19 pandemic. They don't know when they're going back racing at all, much like many of the racetracks. Um, and now, it's one of those things where you just got to move on, try to run some more I races and have some fun. You mentioned Seekonk, Tom. Uh, Seekonk's back in action this week, May the 7th. I'm not sure when you're listening to our episode. Uh, it was dropped on the 5th, but on the 7th, they're back in action on speed51.com. It's free to watch. Uh, all the Seekonk guys are going to qualify Wednesday night, race Thursday night. 150 laps around the Southern National Motorsports Park. Uh, should be a great time. Looking forward to that. I am looking forward to, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to getting back to some real racing. Um, hopefully soon, man, because it's, it's been a long, uh, I guess it's still winter, right? I mean, it's been a long winter. Well, first of all, you, you did this last week, too. You talk about yourself all the time now. Where you, you drive. Who won the race? Who beat you the other day? That's that's a good point. So Reagan Parent wins. Um, <laughs> you barely mentioned much, him. <laughs> that's, that's true. Much like me, uh, he won... The first or second, I think he won the second heat race, maybe the first heat race. He started on the front row uh, and led all the laps. So uh, the pole sitter has won the race the last two weeks leading all the laps. So that tells me that I need to be the pole sitter um, <laughs> well, for the next event. So I need it. to get in gear, uh, get my time trial set up ready, uh, and go out on the track and kick everybody's butt in qualifying because once you're in the lead, it's difficult to pass. However, I did pass from eighth to second. Um, in a 60-lap race. So you can pass, but pole sitters won the last two weeks. Uh, Stafford's running the modified this week. It's open to uh, anybody that's already registered. And then the next week, uh, which would be May the 20th, maybe, that Friday night, somewhere around there, uh, maybe jumping dates. It might be the 18th or so. Um, Stafford is running, I think it's the 15th, actually, now that I sit here and think okay. about it. Um, they are running a invitational-style, inv invite-only modified race on that Friday. Uh, so Stafford's going to come up with a list of iRacers uh, that are registered, have raced with them so far, 20-something of them, uh, that are going to be invited to compete in the 80-lap race, uh, and they're going to allow us to compete. Now, I say us because I hope that I'm going to be invited. Um, <laughs> I've not, I've not officially received the invite via mail yet, um, but hoping to see that, and that one is going to be the one to me, Tom, that's going to be the one to watch. You're going to have guys like Glenn Reen, myself, Mike Christopher, Ryan Narducci, guys that run modifieds in real life versus guys like me that just hop on there to have fun and write about the modifieds in real life. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, and as we say every week on our show, uh, you want to encourage people to go to the Stafford YouTube page uh, and check, yep. check out what they've got, man. They've got so many vintage races on there and a lot of realistic uh, newer stuff that's come out in the last couple of years. So check that out. Also, Tom, 
Before we end our episode, I do have to put a shameless plug out there. Uh, you, can <laughs> <Another> also, <laughs> you can also check out Seekonk's YouTube channel uh, for the uh, some races that we put up on there. Seekonk also getting started with a podcast series, kind of similar to what we're doing uh, here on Mainly Modifies, but this time it's all about Seekonk, and they're talking to some legends of the track that have been going there as part of the 75 years of celebration in 2020. Nice. So they had the track historian on, number one, Radical Rick Martin, who's a former Pro Stock champion many times, was on the second episode. We're going to have some Wall of Fame members, some current drivers, six-time Pro Stock champions. I mean, the list of uh, people already recorded and getting ready to drop is great, so check that out as well. Uh, and again, I hope that over the next couple of weeks we can talk about some real racing getting back. Of course, the Cup Series getting back at Darlington here in about a week and a half, and hopefully the Modified Tour is not going to be far behind it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, all we can do is uh, get up each day and see what it brings at this point. That's really the situation that we operate in, uh, and we're going to do our best, obviously, to be on top of it all. And uh, of course, uh, Kyle, you'll have all of the latest breaking news and all of your social media and your website, and uh, we will as well on Race Chaser Media. So uh, we look forward to uh, to talking each week, and, and uh, obviously we're all waiting to get back to the racetrack again. I was supposed to go Friday night, but the particular dirt track down here that had the race scheduled, uh, the county shut it down before it went off uh, on Friday, so... Um, they had a couple of things going on Saturday night but I had other tracks, but I had another commitment. So I have yet to be back at a track since all this happened. Uh, looking forward to being able to do that. I think we all are at this point. We're all going a little stir crazy. So um, I, I will uh, bring this show to a close and thank all of you who listen and share. And we, we really need you to share these shows because... It's not so that we get more famous. We're not doing it for our fame and fortune. We're doing it uh, to get news out there and get drivers out there and help what we're covering to become more famous. So if all of you who listen would take the time just to share it and uh, let all of your friends know that it exists, um, that would be awesome. We would certainly appreciate that. We are uh, excited that we're getting hopefully at least a little closer to racing period and um, that would put us that much closer to some sort of modified racing anyway so uh, we'll close the show with that and uh, for Kyle uh, I'm Tom Baker saying thank you again for listening and uh, look forward to coming back next week with another edition of Mainly Modifieds so long You've been listening to Mainly Modifieds, the show where ground pounders and northeast speed freaks come to get their radio fix on. The show is available on demand by searching Race Chaser Radio on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Music, and most other major podcast platforms. Visit RaceChaserMedia.com for more unique motorsports stories and radio content. And follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.